0: You join us for a vintage podcast with a difference this week. Uh, maybe I should say with a twist, because I'm in a distillery. Uh, I'm here because of Richard Godwin's book, The Spirits, which has inspired us to visit the Sipsmith Distillery in Chiswick in London. And I'm here with owner Sam Goldsworthy and with author Richard Godwin. Thank you both for joining me. Um, Sam, you're going to give us a bit of an audio tour, really, to explain how gin is actually distilled and made.
1: I certainly am. It's going to be a first. But uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're stood in front of this gigantic copper still, which seems to have a name. It's called Constance. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: Yeah, we have three pot stills here, actually, and they're, they're three icons, the most important members of the Sipsmith family. We've got Prudence. She's the first pot still in London for 200 years, actually, and we named her Prudence. It was quite fun, after Gordon Brown's uh, famous economic watchword that he was so synonymous with using about. As we headed towards the fiscal cliff, you know, uh, uh, we all needed to be prudent. And when my best friend and business partner and I sold our houses and quit our jobs to put it into copper, if you will, we didn't think there was anything very prudent about it. And so we decided to name her Prudence. And uh, and then when we grew two, three years later, at uh, quite a rate, we introduced our second pot still. Her name is Patience. And it was all about saying to our overseas partners that were really keen to get the Sipsmith gin. Uh, we said, you're just gonna have to be patient uh, and then, of course, it's a one, another one of those fabulous virtues. And then what we're in front of here is Constance. And Constance is the bigger of the three. And she, her name is there, other than it being a fabulous virtue, to remind us that, you know, as we grow, it's got to taste consistently fabulous as the other two yield us as well. So we've got Prudence, Patience and Constance. And the noise that people will be able
0: to hear in the background is the noise of these stills actually working as we speak. It's, it's an extraordinary thing to see and to hear. Can you tell us a bit more about how gin distillation actually works?
1: Yeah, abs- absolutely. That noise you've got there is, is a combination of pressure, a heat and a steam and the boil, that gentle bubble that we've got going on in the pot still at the moment. But you know, the, the, the process's name is, is this. You know, we, on our copper pots, we take a really great quality grain-based spirit. This is an English wheat spirit that we put into the pot still um, and in there, we add our 10 carefully selected botanicals. So juniper forward, ours, Sipsmith is a very classic style gin. And so the recipe that we use would not have surprised a uh, uh, 19th, 18th century gin distiller. You know, we wanted to reflect back the, uh, uh, the years that we've inherited since the last potstool. And so we've got juniper, coriander seed, orange and lemon. We have roots of orris root, licorice root, cassia bark and cinnamon are our spices. And we have an almond in there too. So 10 very classic botanicals that go into the pot. And we steep it or macerate it overnight. We apply a very gentle pressure into the actual chamber, uh, and which allows this steeping process uh, to sort of crack those skins. And you come in in the morning after 15 hours of having left those botanicals on the spirit, and you get this gorgeous oily note, like, a little bit like petrol and water or something, you know, you get that rainbow-like colour uh, on the moment, it really is glorious, a um, bit of an oil slick or something, but you know, the only time when it's good is now, you know? and so we come in, and if it's got those notes and those, those, that look on the top, um, then we're good to go, and what we'll then do is we'll apply very gentle heat, we'll increase very slowly the amount of heat, alcohol's boiling point. 78 degrees, uh, water 100, so we're trying to keep it under 100 so that the alcohol will boil, take off those fabulous flavors that have been uh, steeped overnight, and alcohol will convert from a liquid state to a vapor state. So as a gas, it will, it will pass up through here. You've got this lovely pot here, and then you have this gorgeous uh, shape that's called a helmet, uh, and there's a different pressure in there, which is partway what you're hearing. And that lovely spur on the top there, that's called a swan's neck and we celebrate that on our label. It's, every pot still will have one, it's where the vapour turns and heads towards this, uh, uh, this, this condenser here. Cold water in pipes is flowing around that. A hot vapour hits it, contracts with gravity, it falls and out here into the spirit safe uh, that it's coming out now. Uh, and it's here that we take the cuts. We split, and if you're whiskey, if you're rum, if you're cognac, if you're gin, if you're vodka, you will take what's called the cuts, and you'll take the, the first bit of alcohol to come off. The Scots call it the four shots. South of the border, we call it the heads. And uh, it's the bit where the methanol and the propanol and acetane, we, we get rid of that. And then you it spikes in quality. If I draw a bell curve, you can imagine, hopefully your listeners can imagine a sort of lovely bell curve. And we're just trying to capture that top bit, that top bit of quality. We get rid of the bits uh, uh, to begin with and the bits at the end. And we're left with this heavenly note uh, that comes through that we leave for about two to three weeks, uh, homogenize it um, and then add a lovely spring water to it. So it's a nice clean uh, process that involves lots of hands um, all the time, really getting a sense as to flavors coming over at what time, at what temperature, etc. So it's, it's really full on and, and uh, uh, you can really get some heavenly smells that are, that are coming over. You mentioned the, the Spirit Safe
0: yes. is there, which we're, we're stood in front of now, which is like a glass cabinet where we can see some of the spirit pouring through right now. You said we're near the end of the sort of distillation process, so what sort yeah. of strength is that that you've got pouring through now?
1: It's coming out of round about 84% alcohol by volume, um, and so we'll, we'll, we're nearly at the end, we're three quarters of the way through, so when it gets time to around about 75% alcohol, We'll we'll stop the process because we that's the time when some of the lower quality alcohols are coming and we don't want that. Um, but uh, 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 this is this is amazing. What we'll do is we'll just get a little bit of a a little bit of a nose here. We'll have Richard give it a nose. That is 84. But what you can pick up there is that glorious. You get that soft undertone of juniper. There's some savoury notes bursting through. Add a touch of water, like whiskey distillers would and that's going to open up and envelop us, as will happen later on this afternoon after you've gone.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if I took a sip now, it would blow my head off.
1: Yeah, we would never recommend it to you know, it's evaporating as we speak right now, but um, we're at the end where those savoury notes are coming. You get a lot more texture, it's a lot more viscous already, and you can see the shape of it in the glass now. You know, wine, we talk about the tears and legs. Well, we've got them both here, tears at the top, the legs at the bottom, that is texture, that's richness. And at Sipsmith, we never, ever, ever make a concentrate gin. This is We always wanted to bring back the way gin used to be made and the way gin should be made, which is never, ever uh, making a concentrate. So our process is called one shot. The botanicals that go in satisfy perfectly that bell curve of quality. That is the finished gin, as opposed to putting in a neutral spirit afterwards that hasn't had the benefit of copper. Because when you use copper to distill it, there's a chemical reaction that takes place. It's such an under-celebrated metal, you extract sulphurs and fatty acids out of alcohol when you're using copper, um, and so if you're adding a neutral spirit afterwards, you, you lose a little bit of that character, that richness which you're seeing here.
0: Richard, is this your first visit to an actual gin distillery?
2: Um, I've been to a couple actually, but um, not one quite as beautiful as this. It's like uh being in a sort of Jules Verne submarine or something.
0: It is, it's extraordinary. I mean the copper is beautiful to look at, the stills are amazing there's all these windows uh, where you can actually look into the the, into the copper pots to see what's going on is that an important part of the process to actually be able to to look in and see what's happening?
1: Absolutely right, I mean it it requires sight, sound texture, even Ollie and, and the other distillers have to listen sometimes to how things change so when you talk about things being handcrafted, it's It's not just hands it's all parts of the senses are involved in making decisions uh, instrumental in making decisions about when to take the cut so uh, uh, it is it's a really key point you can look in there now and see this lovely big vociferous boil going on well that's a different shaped bubble to what you would have got two hours ago to what we would have got when we first started at 9.30 this morning you know so sight nosing texture palette and ear all play an instrumental and equally important part, probably not as important as a pallet, but you know. <laughs> but everything else it plays a really important part.
2: Yeah. Uh, am I right in thinking that when you opened your first distillery, you were the first people to do so in London for a couple of hundred years?
1: Yeah, yeah, we did. And we, we learnt that from our master distiller, Jared Brown, this industry legend, really. And, uh, you know, and, and, the, and the distillery, the last distillery to open in London was in 1820. And that was the fabulous Beefeater, south of the river. And they were so welcoming. They were so um, excited that there was another authentic small London Dry Gin distiller making gin in London again. That You know, you thought they may have been sort of rather anti, but they were actually, they were awesome. And so we've inherited this history, not from them, but essentially the, the length of time, that 200 years. And we wanted to reflect that back in everything that we do. But uh, we're really proud of that because actually no one can take that away from us, which is yeah. awesome, you know. Uh, well, Richard is
0: currently still holding the 84% proof that we can't drink (laughs) I think we'll have to do something about that so what we're going to do is we're going to head back to another studio where we're going to be able to mix some of this Sipsmith gin with a few very simple ingredients and create some of the classic cocktails that have ever existed is that right Richard that's absolutely right yeah very good Sam Richard thank you so much Right, Richard, we are now back in the quiet confines of our studio, um, and you're going to make some cocktails for us from this bottle of gin. Um, on the way here, we were just talking about one of the most important ingredients for any cocktail, which is not alcoholic in any way. It's ice.
2: Absolutely. I think if there's one single thing you can do to make better cocktails, it is fill your freezer with ice. Um, I think there's a. the English are quite averse to ice, and I think it's actually it's quite historical reasons um, Ice was actually an American invention um, in the 19th century. Uh, Dickens went to uh, on his grand tour of America in the 19th century, and he marvelled at these machines cutting out these great swathes of ice and how the Americans would put them into their drinks, mm. into the mint julep and sherry cobblers. At the time, to get ice in Britain, they'd have had to cut it out of, sort of stagnant pools. <laughs> so the idea of... If you put... If you drank that ice, yeah. then you would just give yourself cholera or dysentery or something. So the idea then of, of putting ice in drinks was, um, it was a very perilous thing. So it took quite a while for ice to catch on. And I think you still get vestiges of that in English pubs, where they seem to be really reluctant to put ice in your gin and tonic. And if they do put an ice, ice cube in there, it will be one cube, <laughs> which will immediately, the drink will be quite warm, so yeah. the, the cube will immediately melt. It won't actually make it colder all it will do will make it dilute dilute but nowadays I think people imagine that if, if you put lots of ice into a drink then you're you're cheating them out of alcohol somehow yeah but actually I'd rather have less
0: cold alcohol than lots of warm alcohol <laughs> now we have an array of ingredients in front of us we have that bottle of London dry gin we have lemons limes ice angostura bitters and sugar syrup and that's all we've got oh, and some fizzy water mm-hmm. but but from that As you say, you you can actually create quite a lot. It's the basis for a lot of cocktails. And that's the whole thrust of your book is that you don't need a lot of fancy equipment or fancy ingredients. Cocktailing really is about simple ingredients put together well.
2: Absolutely. Um, You can make really good cocktails with stuff that you probably have in your fridge or your kitchen now. Um, And once you actually break cocktails down to the basics, what you've just got is a few basic ratios. Um, and lots of variations thereon mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> so you can make uh the two drinks i'm going to make today are sort of the, the only two cocktail recipes you ever need in a sense In that one is the um what we'd call the gin cocktail which is sort of like an old fashioned made with gin mm-hmm. which is uh, uh the classic cocktail in the aromatic style So that means um, it's just got alcoholic ingredients in it, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it's usually made with bourbon or rye whiskey and called the old-fashioned. The reason it's called the old-fashioned is because it comes from the first cocktail. Mm. When it was first invented, it wasn't old-fashioned, obviously. It was incredibly (laughs) new. Um, So that's the first kind of drink. That's the kind of drink you stir. The other one we're going to make is the gin sour, which is gin, sugar, lemon. That's it. Okay. Um, and that that will open the way, uh, open up all other kind of sour drinks, margaritas, daiquiris, um, uh, you name it. You know, you can make most cocktails if you master these ones. Very good. Well, I shall
0: leave you to your
2: expertise and get going there. Okay. So we'll we'll do the sour first because it's a bit more fun. So the um, as I said, the, the sour is um, basically lemon, sugar, and gin. Um, just because it's called the sour doesn't mean that it's it's actually uh you know, super sour. The the trick is to balance all the elements mm-hmm. in it. So you've got the, the strength that comes from the gin. So I'm going to um oh, I love that sound. <laughs> I'm gonna pour um a good double measure of gin, which is fifty ml. I'm using like a tiny little measuring jug um that goes down to quite fine uh measurements, which is the one piece of special equipment that I would recommend you invest in. Mm-hmm. Um, Pouring it into the shaker, um, I'm going to squeeze some lemon. Uh, 15 millilitres of lemon juice. Now the ratio is the is the thing you need to crack here. You need to get the right balance of sour, sweet, and strength. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of in favour of a big, heavy gin hit. Mm-hmm. I think a cocktail should taste above all of the spirits. So I'm just putting in 15 millilitres of gin, uh, uh, 15 millilitres of lemon to that. Mm-hmm and then I'm going to put 10 milliliters of sugar syrup. Sugar syrup is just liquid sugar. Mm -hmm. Um, To make sugar syrup, I use a a 2-1 sugar syrup, which is two parts sugar to one part ordinary tap water. You boil the tap water, you stir in the sugar syrup, and you've got liquid syrup. Um, Now this, so the ratio is 50 milliliters of gin, 15 milliliters of lemon juice, and 10 milliliters of sugar syrup. And, I took some experimentation to get to that particular ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you've done it, you can sub any part of it for anything else. So, for example, if we used lime juice instead of lemon juice, it would still work. If we used rum instead of gin, mm-hmm. it would still pretty much work. Mm-hmm. It's, ki- it's chemistry, essentially. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to give it a tiny taste in the shaker. And it's quite nicely balanced already. I would recommend that you taste... As you go, okay. So, like sure. a chef,
0: you should be sort of tasting as you go through.
2: Yeah, of course, because actually, although we're using very simple ingredients, actually, lemons vary from well, season to season. Limes are particularly pesky. <laughs> Obviously, they import lime. In Britain, we don't grow limes, so mm. we import them from various different countries. I think at the moment they were in sort of early summer; they will be coming from Mexico. Other times of the year, they come from Pakistan. I find the Mexican limes actually really tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, weirdly, in winter, you get much better limes than you get in the summer. That's weird. It is, yeah. But if you, if you feel this lime, it's incredibly yeah. tough, and you're not going to get much too out of it. Anyway, that's, anyway. So, um, so the, the fourth element is dilution, which comes from the ice. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to fill up the shaker with ice. As I said, use lots of ice. the ice should come way above the gin line. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an ordinary three-part shaker. We whack on the top, shake it up, a good hard shake for about five to ten seconds. The longer you shake, the more the ice will break up into little particles and melt. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the, the more diluted your cocktail's going to be. Mm-hmm. So ideally, that's where you want a lot of ice in because then it will cool it much quicker, and you only need to give it a short, sharp shake for it to be cool. You don't want it to be too wet. Right. And there we go. And then you strain it into the glass. And you have a delicious gin sour. Incredibly simple.
0: Very good. If I you have to s- sample. Well, I have the slightly onerous task, of course, <coughs> of, of testing this. Um, well, here we go. That's all <laughs> I can do is to taste. Bottoms up. Oh, that's really good. (laughs) (laughs) It's really nice. It's just because it's refreshing in a way that sort of fresh lemonade is, but with a lovely gin hit to it. Exactly. But it's not, as you say, it's not actually sour. It's got the freshness of the lemons, but the the, the sugar syrup helps to take off the edge and you can really taste that gin. That's lovely.
2: Absolutely. And I say the ratios, uh, that is the chemistry part of it, but the real artistry comes from the gin. Mm. And we've just... You know, visited Sipsmith Distillery and seen the huge amount of love and craft and work that goes into making that spirit, and you don't want to get in the way of that. You just want to <laughs> put that front and centre and uh, allow them to do the hard work, mm. um, and you can, and then you just allow the gin to sing.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Right, so that's the gin sour, mm-hmm. and the next one was the the gin cocktail.
2: This is the gin cocktail, so it's derived from <clears throat> essentially the, the the old fashioned is the generally seen as the first cocktail. Mm. It was the first time cocktail was used. It's often thought to be an American invention. Actually, interestingly, the first mention of the word cocktail in print comes from England, uh, 1798, I believe. Right. And it was printed in a uh, newspaper of the day in a little satirical item about William the Pitt the Younger, mm. about his barbells. And, it, said that, and it, it implied that he was fond of a cocktail um, which was the vulgar name for gin and ginger oh, wow. which is quite interesting Yeah, but but there's not much to back up what that exactly how the gin and ginger were mixed yeah. but the term then later came to be associated with a particular mix which was uh, a bittered sling so a sling is a very ordinary mix of spirit which I'm going to pour another good 50ml double shot again sugar, so again we're going to use the, the diluted sugar syrup you can use normal granulated sugar but you just need to stir and stir and stir mm-hmm. and make sure that every last bit is dissolved I'm just going to put in a tiny amount, 5 mils you don't want it to be there's nothing worse than something too sweet it's better to put in less sugar and add more later because you you can't take it out once mm. you put it in um, if we stir that up and if you, if you added in a little bit of water that would be a sling ok um, the uh, splitting of the atom as far as cocktails was concerned was the addition of an ingredient known as bitters uh, I've got a little bottle of Angostura bitters here that's by far the most common and mm. successful and actually best brand of bitters um, it's the AK-47 of the cocktail capital <laughs> if you like, it's the thing that turns gin and sugar into a cocktail Yeah. Um, originally bitters were they were the snake oil of the day, of the 19th century. If you ever see old westerns and there's the medicine men travelling from town to town trying to sell the people things that would that would cure their gout and, <laughs> and clean up their syphilis, it, it was bitters that they were send, selling, yeah. which was essentially lots of herbs, spices, roots that were thought to have, and often actually did have, beneficial medicinal qualities mm. would be left to macerate in alcohol which would extract their essence and then you're left with quite a bitter liquid at the end um, that people would, would sit for their health mm. uh, the history of alcohol and medicine is very tied up gin used to be thought to cure your kidneys ah, because there's juniper in it right <laughs> um, so It took, um, so this was originally medicine, this was the paracetamol of its day but I don't know which far-sighted genius thought to add it (laughs) to his cocktail is is unsure but if you just put in a couple of shakes then it transforms gin and sugar into something a little more rhapsodic. Um, I'm just going to take a little there we go. Um, All you need to add to this I like mine quite dry so I'm going to leave that to Mm -hmm. much sugar Um, instead of the water that would have gone in the original sling. I'm just going to add a few ice cubes. Mm-hmm. And the ice cubes will both cool it and as they melt it will dilute it a little bit. So it just takes a little bit of the edge off the um, off the gin. Um, so we just need to stir that around a bit. So this would originally if you went and ordered this in a 19th century saloon in Chicago or Philadelphia or Baltimore or New York Hmm. this would have been seen as quite a medicinal um, healthy thing to order I see Um, to finish it off I'm just gonna put a little lemon twist around the edge a lemon twist is the most common garnish you'd use for cocktails you just peel off a bit of the lemon peel Um, in cocktails you use the lemons for the juice a lot but you use them almost more for their peel Hmm. which if you if you start bashing around a lemon a little bit you get all the lovely bitter fragrant juices from the that's contained in their in their pores um and this just adds a lovely spritzy uplift to a drink when you've, um, when you've finished it and makes it
0: look like a cocktail very good there again, go. again my my, my job to the taste I mean you said it has health benefits so I, I presume I'm, I'm giving myself some medicine here it's interesting because many people think of an old fashioned as being a whiskey based yep. cocktail and in fact the addition of the Angostura bitters gives it almost the same colour it's got that sort of rosy dark orangey colour to it now which it looks a bit like a whiskey old fashioned Absolutely. Um, and that sort of I can smell the lemon actually before I even get it anywhere near my mouth coming off the, the top of the glass from that, that lemon twist but here we go. Hmm. So that really is. Oh, that's really good again. <laughs> <clears throat> it's just I, I'm like you. I like a cocktail, which is really just alcohol. I don't like too much mixer. I don't like too much stuff added to it to to really be able to taste that gin, but also to taste that uh, extra kick from the bitters, that real change in the in the in the flavour of it. And then the lemon that goes on the top of the glass as well is fantastic. So that's just amazing. I mean, we've used probably four ingredients in total there. We've made two completely contrasting cocktails, all from the same bottle of gin. Mm -hmm. And as you were saying, you can now take these two sort of base cocktails and and enlarge them into other things. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, the beautiful thing about gin is
2: each gin is a symphony of botanicals in itself, which is... And the reason that gin is is by far the most common spirit used in cocktails. And one of the reasons is you can pull out the different notes in it Mm. in different ways. So the main note is juniper, but it's also got citrus in there, oranges and lemons. So it works really well in the sour. That takes it in a lemony direction. You could, instead of using sugar syrup, use orgeat syrup, which is an almond syrup. Mm. It's almost exactly the same sweetness as the sugar syrup we've used but it's just scented with almonds but gin also has almonds in it so it sort of works And if you pull it in that direction mm. you can pull it in a more floral direction you can pull it in a herby direction you can put, with that gin sour you could add a few mint leaves to the shaker, that gives you a south side, ah. you could add a few basil leaves to a shaker, that gives you a green park, you can add bitters to the shaker, which is actually quite transformative, I'll, I'll just pour a bit of bitters yeah. into this now Um, And and stir it up That gives you a Fitzgerald
0: Now where does that get its name from?
2: I assume it's F. Scott Fitzgerald Ah. But he rather liked Gin ricky himself
0: Mm. Oh I see So now what used to taste like a Well like a sort of adult Fresh lemonade now has a completely Different flavour to it because of those bitters
2: Yeah so the bitters sort of make it a lot more sophisticated seeming i'm feeling
0: more sophisticated by the minute (laughs) (laughs) um that's just fascinating Richard. thank you so much it's great to see um well as you said how uncomplicated it can be to create really quite sort of sophisticated drinks or what feel like sophisticated drinks um and there's nothing too scary here uh, in front of us very simple ingredients very simply put together Uh brilliant richard thank you so much
2: thank you